Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Smoke Signals. Hope you enjoyed the uh, two podcasts last week. And I hope you tuned into the one with Adam Lieberman. Uh, it was a really good conversation. So if you missed that, please go back and listen. And we t- covered a lot of topics in minor league baseball. Uh, really worth the listen. And I had fun catching with Adam. Uh, but today, John Fanta is back with me, IBI's uh, beat reporter and, and fresh off a of birthday. Happy birthday, John. And how you doing? Justin, thank you very much. Doing well. It's just refreshing man it's refreshing to know that we're about a week out from baseball season here you're eight nights away from that double header to kick things off between the Yankees and Nats and then the Dodgers and Giants and then the Indians will open things up the very next day and I'll tell you what in Cleveland what's been great is Terry Francona's explained time and again that pretty much everything's gone as normal as they could have asked for. And I think if you would have told us that a couple weeks ago, we would have thought, I don't know about that. And there's been a lot of different reports. There's been a lot of different thoughts. Uh, I I think we've seen some organizations. I I think it was the Astros. I I don't know if it was their general manager, their owner. I I saw you tweet about this where he said, well, the team with the least amount of COVID cases is the one that's going to come out with the title. Look, there's going to be so many different opinions and takes on this. At the end of the day, what's nice to know is, at least in Cleveland, they are COVID-free right now. Delino DeShields is back in Cleveland. He's working towards getting to 100%. That's a process. But there haven't been many issues, and things seem to be going okay down at Progressive Field. Yeah, they have been lucky in that regard. That's, you know, it's a tough road to to look at or a tough way to look at the situation, unfortunately, where we're at. But they have been lucky in that regard, and they're lucky that Fran Mel Reyes was able to avoid exposure, you know, after his July 4th incident. And, of course, he just had an awkward slide the other night, and now he's getting the day off, although he did take him at bat after he came out of the game. So I guess that's a good thing. So, yeah, it's a good place to start. So Delano DeShields is healthy, but he is on the 10-day IL to kind of ramp up. So uh, it's up in the air whether he'll be ready to start the season. I, I would imagine they'll err on the side of caution and decide that he's going to take some extra time to get ready for the season, especially with having 30 players early on. Uh, they can let him work back into shape. Uh, I'm curious, did they, did they have they addressed the Jordan Luplo issue yet? Because that really creates uh, a situation in the outfit I didn't think we were going to have before with his back issue. Did they, has that been addressed, do you know? It has not been addressed, and I, I think that that's something that's going to get asked and if nobody asks it, I definitely plan to on Thursday with Tito because it was not brought up in his Wednesday media availability of what's going on with Jordan Luplo because it was yesterday that he mentioned uh, everything with Jordan that was happening. So I think we were giving it a few days. But, look, they acted as if they were positive in that Terry Francona said it's a three- to four-day type of situation with Jordan's back soreness. And he did bring up, he said, we were thinking it could be potentially worse worse than that. So this was a best-case scenario. But anytime you have back issues, that's something that can linger. And in a 60-game season, there's no opportunity to linger. And so that creates a really interesting situation with the Indians in the outfield because the thought was that, that Luplo would be that other option – but now you don't know. You don't know, Justin. And, and you want that that fourth option or that specialist to hit off lefties, which which is what he's been. You want that guy to be healthy. You want that guy to be stable. You can't have him on the shelf or being as questionable as he might be. I, I'm really curious to see if things are just knock on wood back to normal um with Jordan or if this is something that is going to take some time but with a back issue and they said three to four days you wonder if that ends up hampering him from being up to speed for opening day and you combine that with the fact that Delino DeShields without fully saying it is saying that it's going to be a challenge for him to be fully ready by opening day that creates a an interesting situation for the tribe Now, they brought the 10 outfielders to Cleveland, and we thought, well, the cuts are inevitable here, but that does open the door 
for some guys to potentially emerge and be on that opening day roster because of the fact that they're a little bit banged up and you got a couple guys still working their way back. Yeah, I was I was planning to address this later, but since we're on the topic now and you brought up some good points, let's just dive into it. So the Shields, we're pretty sure, won't be on the opening day roster. Like you right. said, time time is against Jordan Luplo if he has to miss a few more days to get the back healed. Um, so we know Oscar Mercado is written in pen. You know, before, before spring training started, before all this happened, Francona was saying – you know, he's going to be a starting outfielder, whether that's they didn't commit to him being in center or left. Obviously, with the shields out, he's going to have to play center. But you have Mercado penned in for a spot in, in the in the outfield. You have Fran Mel Reyes, who's probably going to play the outfield because I think Domingo Santana is better suited to DH. Um, and then you have the cast of Bradley Zemmer, who had a home run the other night, which, you know, was good to see. Greg Allen's still around. He, I know he's had a decent camp so far. Uh, Daniel Johnson has had a good camp too, but I, I just, I have a hard time believing they're going to break camp with him, but it's been a weird year. So maybe without Lupo, they might, but, um, they're probably more looking for a right-hander if that was the case. And then Tyler Naquin, who I, I guess Franco, you said Francona mentioned today that the time off has benefited the most. So I'm really curious to see how they end up going forward with the outfield. I, I, I don't know if any one of these guys has the inside track to pick up one of these two spots. And of course there's Jake Bowers too. Who I didn't really mention because um, I looked at him as more of a guy who was probably on the outside looking in with Tyler Naquin being healthy, but I guess he's an option as well. So I kind of feel like they're going to bring as many outfielders to the 30 man roster as they can, especially if those two guys are out. Do you see any, how do you have any idea how you think they're going to mix this going forward without, without um, the guys we mentioned? Well, the thought is that Domingo Santana is not someone that you want being in your outfield every day, that he's a guy that was probably going to rotate with Reyes. Now, Santana got the start in right field in, well, as we record this tonight, Wednesday night's intra-squad game, which is interesting because perhaps they're just looking into an additional option, trying to see if they've got a couple guys on the shelf, they need to have Santana play the outfield, although it's not the priority. Perhaps it benefits the, the pros outweigh the cons in terms of him being in your lineup. But I, I don't know. I think that, that based on what we've seen from this club in the past, Justin, it, it would seem to me that Greg Allen is more of a candidate than Daniel Johnson just because – of Greg's experience. And I think they like him on the base paths. Obviously they like him on the base paths and that's an area where the Indians could actually have as a strength. We talk about the the twins and the white Sox power. You're going to want to err on the side of speed. And if you've got Allen in your lineup on a given night, you've got Mercado with him. There's plenty of speed to go around there. So I, I get the sense that it might be Allen. I just, I'm not sure what to think about beyond, beyond that. I mean, it's, it's hard to get a full finger on Bradley Zimmer and just what their confidence level is that Zim can perform at a, at a high level this season. But there's no question. Tyler Naquin is maybe the top story of camp because it is clear that he's ready to go. There's, there's not, it's gone from being a slight question to not even a question. And that's in a matter of 10 days. So I think it says a lot about Naquin that he is ready to go. Tito's very confident in him. I get the sense that on opening night, we see Fran Bill Reyes in left, Oscar Mercado in center, and Tyler Naquin in right. That's where I stand. Yeah, I would agree with you. I just don't know if how they're going to balance the at-bats if they don't have Luplo and and – having to use a right-hander. Like, I mean, Greg Allen's been miscast as a, a right-handed bat against left-handed hitters before, and that didn't work, obviously. So they might be in a crunch in that situation. And maybe maybe they just platoon Naquin, Domingo, Santana early on, you know, use Naquin and, and right, and then when he against lefties, DH, um, DH Santana, and then use somebody else in right field for defense, whether at – ends up being Allen or, or Zimmer. I don't know. Maybe they'll put maybe they'll put Santana in, in right field. I'm not sure. 
is it safe to say that that we still here here's the thing you mix potential with results here so like i still think there's unwritten chapters in the career of bradley zimmer but is a 60 game season the the portal to try to explore that question in i i don't think it is yeah considering he has gone the longest out of any of these names on the list of guys without game action you know they they really wanted him to play winter ball this past offseason he decided it wasn't the best idea for him and now that's looking like a real big uh mistake because and and i looked at from the video the other night i saw i put a little i tried to put together some pieces of his swing but he's kind of on his third variation of his swing and he doesn't really have the like you said the experience or the at-bats to to be cast in a 60 game um audition to see if where he's at in his career especially when you have options that may be more reliable at this point the out I, the outfield is i mean with those injuries like i think it was probably more set than it wasn't but now with these little these little uh things popping up with luplo's back and the shields you know still recovering from uh coronavirus it's opened up uh the opportunities a little more than i thought and sticking with that again today you chang hit a home run uh, this <laughs> Wednesday, this time off of Mike Clevenger, but he's homered off of uh, just about everybody. I don't think he said home off Shane Bieber, but he said a homer off Plutko, off Carrasco, off Plesac, and now off Clevenger. Man, I mean, is anybody having a better summer camp than you, Chang? Start printing the Chang jerseys. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's where we're at right now. He's He's got to be the MVP. I mean, him and Mike Freeman are leading Tito's standings. I, I I know Tito's got this thing uh, where he's going to give whoever the summer camp MVP is uh, some cash or whatnot, but this is uh, this is a great story. But it's one of those things where, again, you're sitting here saying, man, this guy's homer and off anybody and everybody on a good pitching staff. He's not doing it against bullpen guys. He's doing it against high-caliber starting pitching. And as you said last week, intra-squad games be damned. I mean, at a certain point, you've got to look at what this guy's doing. Say to yourself, okay, does does he deserve a look on our bench here out of the 30-man? Now, the problem is at-bats are just so hard to come by. And when are you going to change the mojo of the infield, which is a star-studded infield of Ramirez, Lindor, Hernandez, and Santana, that the answer to that question is you're not. You're not going to go at-bat hunting for different guys that could be candidates. You're just not going to do it. So, look, I, I, Yu Chang is a special story, but I think if we ask Tito right now, again, he, he would say it's, it's just a real difficult challenge that they have considering the circumstances of trying to work some of these guys in. But but here's the thing, Justin. If you were trying to make a case to give yourself a spot, you could not make any more of a case than Yu Chang has. And maybe maybe we'll see the door creak open. God forbid anything happens on the infield. He's the, the natural candidate right now with how well he's hitting the baseball. Yeah, and the good thing is he does provide you coverage at all at all three positions. You know, he came up as a shortstop, and that's not his best position. Um, some people think second base is his best position. I tend to think third base is probably the safer place to have him. But, you know, he can play all three to a limited amount at shortstop. And before before spring training was suspended, you know, he was fighting with uh, Christian Arroyo and Mike Freeman for – you know, the utility infield spot and Mike Freeman's not on the 40 man roster, but at this point, I don't think that's going to be an issue. He also hit two home runs there day too. So he's hitting the ball. Well, and I know he's a favorite of, of Tito as well. Now I'm kind of wondering at, at the 30 man roster um, period, are all three going to be on the roster and then who's going to stay as rosters get cut. But like you said, it's really not the kind of roster where you're going to be, trying to get fine at bats for Yu Chang because you know the Indians lineup is is 
I think it's still pretty solid. I know a lot of people think it's it's kind of missing something, and I think it's missing a bat somewhere. But Ramirez and Lindor are your linchpins of that lineup, and yeah. you know you rely on those guys so heavily. And in a sixty-game season, that's going to be magnified even more. Is it really going to be advantageous? I know that, you know they're playing seventeen straight games, not an off day to start. So at some point, one you know each of those guys is going to need a rest. I can't imagine. They're both going to play all 17 straight through, you know, maybe you DH one for a quasi day off or something, but it's it, like you like you said, it's really hard to see because those two guys always play a, a huge bulk of the games. And Cesar Hernandez too, in Philadelphia has played a lot of most seasons for them when he's been healthy. I don't, I just don't see how you're going to justify taking out, two MVP candidates of your lineup on a 60 game season and give it bats to you Chang, no matter how good, you know, he's playing in these inner squad games and it's a shame. And he, you know, I think he's going to earn a spot on the roster and he deserves a look, but in a an, 162 game season, you can at least find it bats for him that way. But I'm just not sure in this, this, the stakes being so high, you can afford to give those guys too many days off just to get him at bats. And that's why I think Mike Freeman wound up being the better candidate too, because he's been in that role before and he knows how to handle those opportunities when they come. Whereas do we think Chang is, a, is able to sit on the bench for six, seven games in a row, come into the game and then, you know, pick up what he's doing right now. Yeah. That it's just, it's such a good point. And it's, it's kind of the thing that I think that this staff is battling right now is they're going to have to turn down some guys and have them stationed in Lake County that they would rather have up in Cleveland but you, you battle that with any sort of roster. The problem is sometimes you sit there and say, you talk to those guys and look, they've got assignments in place, but right now with the way minor league baseball is, that's, that's just not in place. And, and you typically have a situation, Justin, where you're bringing those guys up, you're going through transactions, they're going to get their shot. And in a time where these guys are, are desperate there. You want to be on that 30 man. You've been starving for this sport. And if you're not on it, the alternative just isn't look, it's, it's, it is what it is um, that, that it just creates a, a really unique situation here. And I've tried to, to ask Tito about this a couple times here this week. Uh, I've, I've focused the good amount of my questions on just what the process is over the next week. And, brought it up on Wednesday and, and I, I said to him, I said, what's the dynamic of managing evaluation between what you saw in spring training and what you've seen from players in the past? Like you brought, just brought up with Mike Freeman showing us he can do it in the past. What's the dynamic of balancing that between evaluating over just a couple of weeks here where a player may or may not be his actual the, the actual version of, of him that you're getting throughout a full season just because of these unique circumstances. Some pitchers are more ready than others that they're facing, and you're going off intra-squad games. So the evaluation sample, it's flawed. It's got its flaws. But it's, it's just such a unique situation to be in. And Terry brought up, he said, I'm going to have to make a decision at the 11th hour which we've seen that before, but I do think the drama gets increased here. And I, I don't think that anybody wants to admit it, but at a certain point, Justin, when your window of time is only a couple of weeks and they're rotating guys in and out, you, you, you really don't even get a full three weeks because just different guys are working out in different segments because that's what Corona requires them to do. And, and, not every guy is there. Not every guy is playing every single day because that's just how it goes. I'm just, I'm really curious to see what happens actually during the pirate series. And I know Terry wouldn't say that that is the sole determiner. And I'm not saying it is either, but I also don't think you just look at those three games and say, Oh yeah, they're just tuning up. And Hey, when opening day rolls around opening day, I'll be here next Friday. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see what the lineup looks like if they get some gift, different guys looks, I mean, it, what if, what if you Chang homers twice in the pirate series? Just, I'm just saying like, what, <laughs> what if that happens? Yeah. I mean, these aren't, I don't know. These are spring training games, but they're not, it's, 
everyone's everyone's rushing to try to get ready. So I just it's hard to evaluate these things. And it's not as if, you know, it's the Arizona, you know, heat carrying the ball, you know, like it like normally would be. So that is the hard question. It is. It's a really hard question. But I think the good thing for the Indians is they they don't have a lot of guys on the shelf right now. They've had a couple of these injury issues flare up. It's good to know that Reyes uh, w- was able to get at bats on, on Wednesday night. And I know that they felt like he's doing okay. And again, that he didn't get exposed uh, from COVID during that 4th of July party. But uh, speaking of that, the team did meet on Wednesday afternoon to develop their coronavirus code of conduct. And Terry Francona said, when we travel, that's when this code of conduct really gets magnified. And it's also interesting to me how MLB structured things. It really seems like they're leaving things up to the organizations to put their restrictions in place and and relay it to their roster, which I have to say, I agree with that. I I like the idea of having your clubhouse put together a, a strict amount of rules or whatever those restrictions may be. You know, we've seen and heard the issues with the NBA bubble already. And that's in the first couple of days of these guys being around, you know, all it takes is one or two incidents for this, for that thing to take off. Unfortunately, I think in baseball, I just think the clubhouse dynamic, guys holding each other accountable, I don't think that's going to be an issue with this Indians ball club. Their leadership's too strong. But it's it's been good from the standpoint, again, they're, they're mostly healthy. Tito's going to have some interesting decisions to make. I'm more curious than anything over the next week to see, and I, I'm really curious to see if in one of these games against the Pirates, if we see a simulated here's what the bullpen situation is going to look like type of atmosphere, six, seven, eight, nine. Do we get that type of, of rotation of guys to see who's where and how, how is this ball club going to get to Brad hand in the ninth inning? That's a big thing in my mind right now. Yeah. You know, we discussed the bullpen a lot last week and I think those are things that are going to be hard to answer in scrimmages and spring training too. And I don't know how they're going to answer the questions of the bullpen, and this is why I continue to advocate for having multiple starters, you know, beyond the five on the 30 man roster to start with. So you can sort of bridge the gap and also give yourself a little bit of um, fallback. If your starters are still unable to get through five or six innings, I know, you know, Savali threw over a hundred pitches the other day. I know Bieber has gone over a hundred pitches. I think Clevenger is close to it. If he hasn't already, so some of those guys are built up, but, you know, the issues with Carrasco with, you know, his health and um, not wanting to push him. And I think you just need to give yourself a little wiggle room if thing, those things happen. And I think in turn, it helps your bullpen a little bit. And that's where, you know, we get to the question with pitching is, okay, Beaver's ready to go. Savali, I think, is, is definitely ready to go. He had a good outing the other day. And Plesak and Plutka are kind of, going back and forth for that last spot. And I think both of them need to be on the roster, but um, it doesn't feel like Plutko is doing quite as well for these scrimmagers, isn't looking as good as the rest of the starters. And I know they're not going to look at, you know, a couple of scrimmages in Cleveland or three spring, you know, summer camp games against the Pirates, but it just feels like the other guys are a little more, ready to go than Plutko is. Does that seem about accurate? Yeah, it does. It does seem about accurate, and it would look as if his velocity isn't exactly where they would love it to be uh, thus far here in summer camp. It looks like that they've got some things to work on with that. The good news is you know you've got a strong one-two punch at the top, and Bieber and Clevenger have looked well informed. I asked Tito again about Clevenger just to get his thoughts because Tito has, he's been so high on Bieber. I think Justin, sometimes it, it, people have been arguing on Twitter saying like, well, wait, Clevenger's our ace or wait, Bieber's what's going on. Well, here's the thing, folks, you got a good problem to have. You have two guys who can play ace type of roles in your rotation. Now those final three spots, the good news is you've got more candidates than available spots in the normal five man. Could we see a world where Carrasco and Plutko, that first, maybe for that that fifth start, 
uh, could we see a world that they split a start or that we see one piggyback off the other? Uh, maybe we do see that because it looks like Savali's in really good shape. I, I think that they're okay with Plesak. The, the answers from Carl Willis and Tito have been that they're, they're solid on where he's at. I, I'm not going to go off uh, Adam Plutko giving up seven earned runs and 11 hits in an intra-squad game. But I am curious to see what he does here the, the next time out because uh, that's kind of the, the, the weird thing about this is with such a condensed type of schedule, of course you're not going off one outing. Of course you're not going off 15 at-bats. But uh, solely, solely. But those things kind of unfortunately, uh, due to the circumstances, it's not like they weigh absolutely nothing. So I think for Plutko, I'm curious to see how he wraps up summer camp, what we see from him next time out. I I think that, yeah, it is him and, and Plesak going back and forth. And if Carrasco's in good form, then Cookie's going to be the guy. But I, I just – is it is it weird that right now I'm sitting here saying to myself, is Carlos Carrasco going to be the guy that's giving this team six innings and outing, seven innings and outing? around that that type of length and he's going to be fine I, I just I, I get concerned about just where he's at a little bit to say he's going to do that for this ball club the whole way through maybe, maybe you maybe you disagree with me what what do you think no I mean it's, it's a valid thing to be thinking right now and whether it's you know just due to everything that when he went through last year and obviously the state of the the virus right now, and and how quickly he has to be ready and the stakes of the season. I think you have to take all that into account into seeing if he's able to hold up to that. We just don't know. He's more of a question mark than he's ever been, unfortunately. You know, obviously not due to his, his own fault. But I do think, that again, that's why I keep saying you have to have protection in your bullpen, especially when you're afforded a 30-man roster for the first two weeks and then 28 instead of 26 for a couple of weeks longer. You have to give yourself that cushion where if it, whether it's Carrasco or it's anybody else, if they're just not able to go six innings and you have so many questions in your bullpen and you have potentially six or seven starters who are able to play some sort of role right now and you know what you can get out of them, you might as well take advantage of that because like we've talked about before, that is their biggest strength is their starting pitching depth and you know, and that includes Logan Allen. That might include Jeffrey Rodriguez, even though I don't think he's being stretched out as a starter unless he's over at Lake County, you know, throwing five or six inning sim games. And Tristan McKenzie, I really haven't heard anything on him either. So those are all questions we need to figure out as well. But if that's if that's the best part of your team, you leverage that in a short season. And when you have question marks like the bullpen or, or if your starters just aren't able to give you the length you need, if, if you have that at your capabilities, you have to use it, I think. And that's what I'm really curious to see what they end up doing with the pitching. The outfield, I mean, yeah, the Yu Chang thing is interesting, but I think at the end of the day, you and I both know how important it is to get the most out of Lindor and Ramirez this year, especially given Lindor's contract situation. Um, it just, the bats probably won't be there for Yu Chang the way he's, pl- I mean, the way he maybe deserves, if, if that makes sense, because it's such a weird time, but how they decide the outfield and how they decide pitching from the rotation of the bullpen are going to be critical decisions. And like you said, they're going to have to make some decisions based off that at the 11th hour and, and go back to who they, who they rely on and what they know. And, you know, these are, these are critical decisions that are going to shape. They're going to be magnified even more in a shorter season and especially if this ends up being Lindor's last hurrah here, and it's only 60 games, or if, if he does get traded the deadline, who knows? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, but I, I just, uh, I'm curious more than anything to see what they end up doing. And if they follow your, your example that you've brought up of, are we going to see that starting pitcher who ends up being that holdover guy to come out of the pen in the fifth, sixth inning around that, that territory. And that, 
that arm could be so vital with the new rules of having to, to face the three batter minimum. You know, that's another thing with this bullpen is, and Terry Francona said it on Wednesday afternoon. He said, our bullpen has to be patient in some ways because our decision-making is going to be different based on the fact that you can't solely make your moves based off of matchups. And, I think that that creates a really unique wrinkle, which is all the more reason to have a starter play that type of role, that type of, dare I say, Andrew Miller AL playoffs 2016 role of being able to come in in the fifth and pitch you through two or three innings or or hell, if he comes in the fourth or whatever and and serves as that bridge. I, I think that bridge guy is something that, more teams are going to be looking into because of the fact of that, that minimum. And if, if you're a guy who can get through the order one time with your stuff, that, that is so much more vital than I think it's ever been in a world where managers have played the matchups and they've played with power arm after power arm going lefty on lefty and so on. Yeah. Especially when you have two guys in your bullpen who you think are going to make it, that you don't know if they can get, both lefties and righty out. Obviously, that's uh, Perez and Simber. So, I mean, I guess those guys are probably locked into roles, but if you have other other options that can get you through three batters and those guys, you're not sure if they can or if you take the risk and, and see if they can and it, it you know blows up in your face, you know, one or, one or two of 162, not such a big deal if, if you take that risk and it doesn't work. But um, if it happens, you know, two or three times in a 60-game season, that's – a much higher percentage where it affects you. And it is, it is so critical. And, and if you, like you said, if you have those options that can play in this environment and the new rules in the shortened season, you would think that you would give yourself the ability to go to that option. And, you know, I'm sure he, I'm sure Tito trusts the guys that he's going to have in his bullpen more than anybody else. Cause that's just who he is. But from right. from the outside looking in, I don't think it's unfair to to look at some of those options and, and wonder if it's going to come back to bite you in a short season if they're not as reliable as you hoped. Yeah, it's a it's a great way of putting it. I I think I think that's something that that's tangling in their minds every day right now, and it's something that just you hate to use the term trial by error because that's not what this is, not not in a 60-game situation. But I do think that the coaching staff's wrestling with the idea of patience and not going full gas in the first 10 games, but trying to find that balance of how can we get off to the right start but not overdo it and not overextend a guy and, and have it affect us down the road or long-term. So I think they're wrestling with it right now. Uh, but Tito did say he used the word patience twice when he was talking about the bullpen. Andre not our friend asked a really good question to Tito about the state in the bullpen. And Tito said, it's hard to evaluate guys right now. You've got guys in all different types of situations. I mean, you've got a 38 year old Oliver Perez, who's focusing on trying to pitch against right handers again and get through a full inning and potentially more than that. But you've got James Karinchek, a, a younger guy who's trying to focus on his control and who last night, I think he struck out the side, if not blew right through an inning, an intra-squad, but then earlier in the week ended up walking in a run. So it's just you've got guys in so many different positions right now. Nick Wickren has shown us that he could be relied upon, uh, but to what extent and to, to what leverage in a 60-game season. And, you know, this all goes back to uh, which version of Brad Hand are you getting in the ninth? Because it seems like it's a given that that he's going to be your guy and that he's going to be all reliable for you. And hopefully he is. Um, and I think I think he will be. But I, I think right now, you know, I'm, I'm if there's a pitcher in the bullpen that I'm more curious than any about, Justin, it is Simber because. There's, there's just an uncertainty with, with what he can do with this new rule. And can he be the guy that, that the Indians brought him in to be, which was to be a, a guy who could be counting on the seventh and eighth inning to, to knock him dead and either hold a lead or keep it at just a one or two run deficit. I'm, I'm more curious than him on anything. 
Yeah, he he struggled last year when they they put him in different situations. I know he's gone through some issues with um, pitch mix and some other things. I I don't I don't know how they decide to navigate that with him. I mean, I guess you do have the ability to finagle it into a non three batter appearance. You know, if you if you get a starter who can go six and two third, and you bring Simber in to finish the inning against a tough righty. You don't have to bring them back out for this for the uh, next inning, you know, because it, it's either three batters or you end the inning. So you can avoid it that way, I guess. And then, you know, I would assume, yes, if he's in the bullpen, they're going to give him the opportunity to pitch against lefties and righties. And then that was one of the issues when he came over here too, if you remember, when he was in San Diego, they said he, you know, he had said he was being used to being counted on to go one or two innings, and that meant facing lefties and righties. And when he got here, because of the, of the options the Indians had in the bullpen and the depth, the Indians turned him into a matchup righty, and you know he struggled with that, and then he struggled with you know pitch mix too. So he has had experience doing both before, so maybe he can rely on that in the situation. You know, and he said he's prepared differently, so maybe he'll be ready. But I would also expect you know, and and when he's had good options, I guess it's to me the bullpen's hard to judge because you know when the Indians had. Shaw, Miller, and Allen, it was easy to look good managing your bullpen because those guys were lights out and they can get lefties and righties out and you knew what to expect from them on a day-to-day basis. And when you have options like, you know, a Simber or Whitgren or a Hand, you know, yes, have they gotten it done before? Yes, but not, they don't have the same stuff that those other three I mentioned have and they haven't done it as long. So it leaves some uncertainty there and it, it leads to second guessing because, it makes the manager look like he does not handle his bullpen, but in reality, he has less reliable options to choose from. So it just matters yeah. if he puts them in the, the position to succeed. And if Simber is best to succeed against righties, I expect Tito will find a way to have a starter, have him end an inning rather than force him into facing lefties that maybe he shouldn't face. But, you know, he might be faced all kinds of tough decisions this year that he didn't think he would be. And, to me, I think James Karinchak is the the entire – I'm not sure the right phrase to put it, but I think a lot relies on him. I know you said hand and simmer, but to me, James Karinchak right now is the best reliever they have on this team. And I think it really rests on if he's going to have a good season or not. If he does, I think the bullpen has a chance to be good because he can play a vital role. And if he struggles with his command, then I think there's a lot of dominoes that could fall around him if he doesn't hold it together and you rely on other guys who maybe aren't as talented. Sure. Uh, Yeah. That's, uh, that's the interesting question mark there, but uh, it, I'll tell you what, I don't know, Justin, if the general Indians follower, which is why we do this podcast would say that, or would think that James Karen is the most talented reliever here out of this pen, but, they know he's got that kind of stuff. It's just a matter of channeling that into efficiency. Is is that the guy that you think you're going to have the most fun watching this season just because of the, the raw talent to see if it actually comes to fruition in terms of, well, throwing strikes and being able to throw enough strikes? Yeah, I mean, he's got the potential to give, well, Tito, Tito doesn't have any hair left, so I can't say give Tito gray hair, but if he had hair, he's got the most potential to do it. <laughs> well, Carl Willis, well, maybe we'll use that on Carl Willis here during his one of his media <laughs> fail yeah. abilities. Carl Willis, I, I think he most of his hair is gray, but I, maybe it could go white. I don't know. Or maybe just lose his hair, I guess, is the better. You know, Tito's lost all his, so maybe he has the, oppor- he has the opportunity to make – Carl Willis lose a lot of hair that he has left. And, <laughs> but you I mean, that is, that's funny, but I mean, he is the most talented reliever they have. He, you know, he struck out. I hate using K per nine cause it's an inaccurate stat, but it, it's an eye popping stat that he struck out 22 baddest per nine innings last year in the minor leagues. He, yeah, that, that's- he is that good. He really is. It's just, it comes down to on his command on any, any given day. And, I think we've seen it so far in the scrimmages where he's, you know, he's walked the bases loaded, walked a run in, or he's struck out three really good hitters in a row, or, you know, he actually can combine both and walk the bases loaded and then strike out the next three hitters. I mean, that's what you're relying on, unfortunately. And 
they have other talented options, but right. if he puts it together, he's the best on any given yeah. day because of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch what he has to do. I, I think the, the one takeaway I've also had from camp is something that maybe Indians fans didn't think was was going to go down at the start of this summer camp, or or maybe it was um, in the minds of, of some not surprising once it came down. But, you know, just a takeaway that Francisco Lindor is likely going to be the number three hitter in this lineup, which that is that's not surprising. We've seen Frankie in a bunch of different roles. He'll be fine wherever you put him. But that Cesar Hernandez is trending towards being that leadoff guy in this lineup to start the season. Your reaction? I like that. When they got Hernandez, I thought he made the most sense to him at the top of the order because he's another switch hitter. And, you know, given the three batter minimum rule, that makes things even more fun for the Indians lineup in Francona at, at, after you knock a starter out of the game. And he's posted high on base percentages before with Philadelphia. When he, if you look at some, if you look at his numbers, and I wrote about this, I think when they acquired him, when he was moved down in the order, you know, he's hitting eighth. And when you're hitting eighth in the National League lineup, you've got the pitcher behind you. So you have to worry about your own at bats and the pitcher being behind you. And, you know, teams are more likely to pitch around you when they know they have the pitcher on deck. So he's maybe not seeing the same quality of pitches. Um, and he's forced to kind of go out of his zone and, and try to make something happen um, as opposed to being a table setter. And then he's got enough speed too. And I think it's important to have speed on the bases in front of your best hitters, but not so important that you take away from getting on base, which we obviously saw Francona put a importance on when Santana was the leadoff hitter. I'd still love to see Carlos go back to hitting leadoff, but when you have an option like Hernandez to hit leadoff, I'd be totally fine with him being there, especially when you can, if you can get him on base and you have Ramirez in front of him, ideally it would be to me, Hernandez Ramirez and Lindor. And then you maybe go Reyes four and Santana five to kind of give yourself a switch hitting option behind Reyes. But any of those options at the top of the order is fine. I think, any combination of those three hitting the top three work out perfectly. As long as there's guys on base for your, your best hitters, whether that's Ramirez Lindor or Reyes, if he gets hot or Santana, that's all good things. So yeah, definitely better him being the top of the order than the bottom of the order, given his track record. So I have, I, I mocked up a lineup for opening day here. This is what I had. Hernandez Ramirez Lindor. Reyes, Santana, Mercado, uh, Domingo Santana, Carlos being uh, being in, in front of him at the, the five slot, Domingo hitting seventh, Naquin eight, Perez nine. Yeah, I like that. I like having Perez nine. I mean, ideally you have some speed at the bottom of the order too, but you know, Ramirez, or I'm sorry, uh, Perez you usually is pretty good at posting high on base percentages and drawing walks. So that gives you the ability to have somebody on base from the bottom of the order as you flip over. Um, and I also, I also like having Hernandez towards the top because last year they were requiring or re- relying on Mercado to hit second to give them, I guess, an element of speed at sec- in the second hole and, you know, try to break up the switch hitters a little bit and, and keep them spread out throughout the line to make it tougher but now you have an additional switch hitter it makes it easier and you don't have to put as much pressure on Mercado in his second year to hit in the top of the order and, and do the thing. I mean, he had a great year and he, you know, to his credit when he went through a little bit of a slump, he finished the year on a good note, but if you can keep him in the bottom of the order, keep the pressure off him and use his speed at the bottom of the order for your heavy hitters at the top, that makes things a lot better. So in a lot of ways, Hernandez hitting the top, I think lengthens the lineup. So yeah, I, I think that's a good, a good direction to go in. Yeah. And, and down at the bottom of that order where I, where I say Roberto Perez, Tito was asked on Wednesday about Roberto and just the whole idea of when you have a contract situation and you could be looking for the deal that there could be that, that uncomfortableness of, of just playing and, and you could have a bit of a burden on your shoulders. And now I think Tito's seeing that Roberto is relaxed. And Tito said, (laughs) he said, look, 
Roberto is not going to be mistaken for Bradley Zimmer <laughs> or or whoever it might be on the base pass, but that Perez is actually running the bases as well as he's ever had in an Indians uniform. So that's that's a great takeaway here is that Berto looks good. He looks like he's he's been a little bit uh, more comfortable on his feet. Base running is a key area for this team. Not that he's got any competition with, with Sandy Leon behind him, but the, the fact is your starting catcher is in good shape, and we know how, how vital in the midst of this pitching staff that Roberto Perez has continually been for them. So uh, it was good hearing that. And look, we talk about guys in this lineup that Lindor and Ramirez are the two guys that this lineup hinges on. But if you can get a month out of Santana from what he did at the start of last season, if you can get a couple of weeks out of Roberto Perez, where we've seen him hit a power surge. I think I brought this up on our last podcast. If we see a Domingo Santana, some of the best that he has to offer, and, and hey, oh, by the way, it's not out of the question. Fran Mill Reyes, he could contend for a home run title. I don't think that's a, that's a real scalding hot take. I saw someone write about that in bold predictions last week. I don't think that that's something that's, that's crazy. Fran Mill Reyes can be up there in the ranks. That's the kind of power this guy presents. So, you know, They've got guys that can be um, additions. And the the additions to those two in Lindor and Ramirez, they've got to drive that bus. And for the Indians to be at their best, those two have to drive that bus. But this lineup, I don't think this lineup is very flawed. I, I think that there's a couple of guys that you could say, okay, well, we know that, that Domingo Santana can pile up in the strikeout category. And uh, we know that some other guys can have issues at times. But I, I look at this lineup, and I honestly think that it's a lineup that should hold its own and uh, should be should be in a solid predicament here this upcoming season. I know that they don't have the home run hitting that Minnesota has and that Chicago has, but let's let's not mistake ourselves between Santana – Ramirez and Reyes last year, you're talking about close to a hundred home runs. It's not like they don't have the capabilities of taking off on that type of run. Um, and there's guys at the bottom of that order. If you've got a Tyler Naquin who's playing as well as people are thinking he can play and you've got him at your seventh slot in the lineup or around that area, like that's exactly what you want. That's exactly what you want in your order. I mean, they're certainly better than they were in 2018. You know, yes. they're not going to be as good as the, the offense wouldn't be as good, although maybe it can be. If you get, you know, if you get some guys who are really hot over a two or three week stretch, you know, that can, especially with the two guys they have and in, in Lindor and Ramirez, you know, that can really power a lineup and make it look different because you know anybody can get hot for a stretch of time as a hitter over a 60 game season. So that makes it a little bit different, but. You know, they're, they're not going to be as good as they were in 2017. You don't have Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce. And, you know, that, that lineup was obviously extremely deep. But this this is deeper than the 2018 version, obviously. I think it's deeper than last. I mean, you're not starting the season with Hanley Ramirez and Eric Stamets and, and Brad Miller, at least. But yeah. towards the end of the year last year, I thought that lineup was really good. I, Puig was playing okay. Reyes was, was trying to settle into his new home and then – um, facing new pitchers, so I think he'll be more ready this year. I know he he lost weight over the offseason. I don't know if anybody asked him what if he gained any weight back during the quarantine. Hopefully not. Um, maybe that's something to, to look into. But you know, I, we'll have to look at that one. I'll, mar- I'll mark it down on my. I, I've got the uh, I've got the later list. I'll, I'll mark that down. Did he did he gain? I don't want to joke about a virus, but did he gave did he gain the COVID nineteen? I guess is the question because he lost eighteen pounds over the winter. Um, Listen, if we can't laugh, we'll cry right now. And let's face it, everybody who talks about having the virus, now, again, knock on wood, uh, thoughts and prayers to everyone who's who's been affected. All the players that have talked about having the virus said, hey, I've watched a lot of Netflix. I've watched a lot of Disney Plus, and I've watched it with my daughter or my son because I'm getting time with my kid right now. So, you know, when you're watching Netflix, you're not working. <laughs> uh, you're eating some ice cream. Yeah. I mean, if you're me, so yeah, let's face it, that's it's got to be a concern when these guys can't do what their normal rotation is. But uh, I'll, I'll certainly mark that down. It would appear that Fran Mo Reyes 
um, that the anticipation is, is that he's a guy that is now settled in and can be the guy that, that uh, is the source of their power, is the source of their home runs right in the meat of the order. And he can be that for the years to come. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you that he has the chance to be a, to win a home run title in a shortened season. Um, I thought he would hit 40 in the regular season. I'm trying to think over the mm-hmm. game pace what 40 would what 40 would be. So I don't know, maybe, maybe he can hit 25. That seems like a lot, but you know, he's got that kind of power. If he gets going in a stretch, why not? And that would be huge. But the lineup is deep, and it, it, you mentioned too. I wanted to go back to Perez because. You know, he's running the bases as good as Roberto Perez can run them. But that's that is good to hear because, you know, he did have offseason ankle surgery. And one of the questions in spring training was, was he going to be ready to go at the outset? And would he need days off early on because of the ankle? And now probably not because of the time off and away from the surgery. And like you said, he's running the bases as well. So that is good to hear. And you can't have catchers with lingering ankle injuries. It's I don't know how he played the games he did last year having a bone spur in his ankle and then, and, and, you know, not make a, an error or pass ball. That's insane. So if he's hundred percent healthy, I expect a really good year from him. You know, he had a lot of power last year too. And like, yep. you know, with some of that, the juice ball, I don't know. Are we going to get the same baseballs this year? I don't know. But you know, if you have Roberto Perez is your catcher, who's a gold glove winner and he had 24 home runs from you and he's hitting the ninth year lineup. You know, you're in pretty good shape. You're not the twins. You don't have Mitch Garver, but you're in pretty good shape if that's the case. So I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that Roberto Perez could be a pleasant – I don't want to say surprise because I wouldn't be surprised, but right. perhaps to some general folks there could be a bit of a surprise factor. But it almost gets taken for granted how good a catching Cleveland's had in recent seasons and in this reign of great pitching. And the future of this of this franchise being strong pitching. I mean, all signs are pointing to that continuing to be stable and continuing to be in a good spot, at least at the top of your rotation. And and that's what you got to have at the start. They've got that in place. They've got the right catcher in place. And now, uh, you know, it's just nice, again, to know that next Friday we've got baseball. You've got a three-game exhibition series against the Pirates Saturday then Monday, Monday's game is on Sports Time Ohio. It bears noting that game's on STO. And then I think Wednesday they're back at, at PNC Park. All three games with, with Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhaus, of course, on the radio side. But nice to get some televised baseball on Monday. And then uh, Sports Time Ohio announcing on Wednesday that they've got complete coverage of every game. There's going to be no issues with game telecasts. Fox has a couple of of games that they're going to air exclusively uh, nationally. I think the one is the against Minnesota. That first game of that series is going to be on broadcast television on that Thursday night. That's, that's a great window for the Indians and the twins to have on broadcast TV. So that's one of the benefits of this MLB schedule is because it's condensed, you've got a ton of TV windows stacked together. People are going to get to watch as much baseball as they'd like to, because in terms of the windows on TV, we haven't seen ESPN and Fox kind of get forced to, and and MLB forced to fulfill those rights agreements in a season like we're getting here. There's going to be a lot of baseball on your TV, and it's good to know that the Indians, we won't have any interruptions to that schedule uh, in terms of the the on-air side, which I didn't think we would, because again, people can't go to the games. So um, that's, that's you got you got to have it on TV. At least people can't go right now. The the club did send out the fan survey on Tuesday asking fans what they thought of if they were comfortable going to a game down the road. That was kind of interesting. I think they're just exploring any options just to to do it to see. Yeah, I have a hard time believing we're going to get to that point with fans in the stands. Um, given today's um, press conference from our governor, but. You know, who knows? I mean, it's hard. If you would have predicted any of this, you know, back in January or February, you wouldn't believe it. So who knows what you can predict in a few months from now? Um, Let's see. They got a couple games coming up in Pittsburgh. Anthony goes sent to Lake County on the satellite roster for extra reps. I don't think there was any any real chance he was going to make the team. I know Domingo Santana, that grand slam off him yesterday. I don't think that was – I don't think Domingo Santana was the one that sent him back to 
the minor leagues, but I think uh, definitely clear he needed some extra reps. So we might, maybe we'll see him right later this season as one of those options, but uh, I had no expectation of him making the roster, at least initially, um, unless they were, you know, forced into making that decision. Also, like the fact that we're seeing uh, George Valera, Aaron Bracco, and, and Daniel Johnson, amongst other kids, Tyler Freeman was in the lineup the other night facing, you know, some of the Indians' big league pitchers. You know, George Valera got an RBI single off of uh, Shane Bieber. Aaron Bracco doubled off of Zach Plesdeck. Daniel Johnson took Shane Bieber deep. Uh, those are all, you know, good things to see. Obviously, you want your pitchers to be doing good. But um, for me, it's, you know, on the prospect side of things, I'm really enjoying all these kids getting in the lineup against major league pitching. It's just a shame they haven't been on TV yet. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's not look we're gunning for. We, we want to see all this on, on TV, but I, I know that that's certainly a, a work in progress. And um, I think a lot of teams have not had those games on TV and that just goes back to different, different clauses and different agreements within those, those TV rights. But I, I think that, uh, I think that we're lucky in Cleveland. We're lucky to have the crews that we've got doing the games. I mean, Andre Knott does a great job, and we had him on IBI last week. I'm not just saying that because we just had him, but because he actually gives us some stories and gives us some insights from that dugout that not every reporter is going to be able to give you. So, And, and Matt Underwood, Rick Manning, back for another season. And, uh, of course, Hammy on the airways is second to none. So, no, I can't wait for baseball on TV. It, it, it would have been nice to see some of these them here um during maybe I, we'll see what that monday game looks like at progressive field we'll see it's it's all up in the air what tito's gonna do managing that those exhibition games uh i'm curious to see how those get managed who gets opportunities and and who doesn't uh those aren't the sole determiners or, of how you you determine your roster but the fact is again they don't weigh nothing so i'm i'm excited for what's uh for what's in store here and justin it's I don't think it can be said enough. You and I both love this sport and everybody who follows the site loves it too. Uh, There's been so much turmoil and and Terry Francona said it. He said that this was an opportunity the last couple months for baseball to shine. And it has not. And unfortunately the sport went through some really rough times, but he said there is something about the sport that when it's been in, in its darkest hour, it's found a way to move on. And he said, once we start playing the games, he goes, that outweighs everything, and we still have a chance to leave a mark. And, and I still believe that. Baseball of the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, MLB's the first to come back. They've got a window, a chance to give us a gift, and I'm looking forward to, to what's in store here because, boy, do we need it. Yeah, I agree. It hasn't been the same without baseball. I hope everything can go off without a hitch and we can keep everybody – um, safe and healthy. And certainly, I mean, other than the testing issues, I mean, I, I guess that would keep them healthy because they have no idea if they have it or not, but it certainly seems like they're having less issues with guys contracting the virus uh, practicing than the NBA is. So I guess that's good, but uh, just got to work out those testing bugs. And hopefully when they do, that doesn't lead to a bunch of extra cases that we weren't aware of before. So I'm ready to watch some baseball. I know, um, like you said, when it gets on the air, I'll, I'll look forward to hearing wherever Andre not is in progressive field. If that's probably not going to be in his dugout bay, he's probably going to be wherever, probably safe where he can't get, you know, seeds thrown at him or a Gatorade bucket dumped on him. So maybe that's a good thing for him personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know You're right. It is a good thing for him. His dry cleaning bill will probably be a lot lower this year. So maybe that's, you know, a, a silver lining. <laughs> um so, yeah, well, ne- next week, I think whenever we, we jump back on together, John, I think it might be time to give a roster prediction. I think we're going to have to start thinking about that. I think it's time. Yeah. I'm so- going to have to get my pencil out. And that's something I feel like, I, I don't know, maybe it's the traditionalist to me, but I got to write that out. I got to, I got to put that together. I think I know that you will, but uh, yeah, it's, we got to construct what this is going to look like before those final cuts are made. I think we'll probably have to go on. Maybe we, because uh, let's see, we've got that Monday exhibition game. Um, 
We'll have to we'll have to see when we go because well, let's see they're going to have to have that final roster done. I mean, do you think it's something that they just drop on Thursday leading into the Friday game, Friday opener? Yeah, I guess it depends on when the when the league wants them to submit it too. But I can't imagine they wouldn't have to have it any sooner than the day before, maybe Wednesday. So close to it. So I would, and I guess we'll have an idea. There are other teams who are sending guys to minor league camp, so we might see some other cuts in the coming days that might make it clear anyway. Yeah, I think I think there will be potentially some here over the weekend. Now, it bears knowing that Tito has said, along with that Saturday first exhibition game in Pittsburgh, the team's going to bus to Pittsburgh right there and come right back. But while that's going on, they're going to have some guys throwing some sim game action back at Progressive Field. So uh, that'll that'll be happening. We'll get the updates on who exactly is going to be throwing those sim games. Again, stay tuned to the IBI Twitter account and IndiansBaseballInsider.com. But, yeah, it's it's that time to get a roster together. I think when we're when we're back on, we'll be ready to go, Justin, to, to try to make our mock, uh, mock roster. There's going to be a couple of slots that are going to be up for grabs here, and it's not going to be easy to, to, to finalize that because we've got situations like Yu Chang playing out, but then you've also got guys like Jordan Luplo and even Fran Mill Reyes to an extent where is it a guarantee that they're ready to roll and Delano DeShields can't forget him uh, on opening day. So still a good amount to figure out in the next week, um, but it's, it's great to be talking about these things. And uh, this, this ball club should be ready to contend here again in 2020, provided that we have a full season. Yeah. And if there's anything we know about Frank Kona's bunch, it's when the games really matter, they tend to, uh, play a little better you know they've always been a second half team i know there's no first half this year but um they don't have to worry about the cold weather and you know when they when they are have their backs against the wall they played played better in a lot of spots and kind of hard not to have your back against the wall when you know a 30 and 30 season is not going to make make the playoffs and shoot 35 wins might be keeping on the outside looking in so definitely looking forward to we might, might have to get predictions in the next two weeks as well. So a lot of interesting things to think about over the next couple of weeks. Um, just some things coming up site-wise. Uh, Diamonds in the Rough series still going on. Yesterday, I wrote about Cam Hill, who is probably not a guy who will be in the bullpen to start. Maybe, you know, if things break right for him, he could be. But um, somebody who is worthy of a shot at some point this year, if not next. Uh, next up is Andres Melendez, who was part of the – uh, trade for the Indians, sending Mark Mathias to Milwaukee, you know, athletic catcher. We're going to take a look at him. Uh, some point in the next week or so, we should have an updated top 50 with the um, all the Indians draft picks being signed. It doesn't look like Tanner Burns did tweet the other day. He was coming to Cleveland. I would assume that means he's signing, although he did delete the tweet after everyone started saying that. So maybe he didn't want to give anything away too soon, but he is the last to not sign, but I think he's going to. So, we will have a new top 50 prospect list um, coming with all the new draft picks in there. John, what do you have? What are you planning on the way of uh, coverage coming up here over the next week? Well, I think I'd like to continue to explore the Indians rotation and, and what ends up happening with those fourth and fifth slots. We should have some information coming out on that. Um, and then I, I think, um, you know, potentially, Looking at, at a couple of angles, I, I think one thing is um, Cesar Hernandez has talked about the connection that he had with Carlos Santana in Philadelphia when they were with the Phillies. And Cesar said that uh, they had, you know, quite a good bond. But he also said how easy it's been to, to get along with Francisco Lindor. And I think for Indians fans, they became so accustomed to Kipnis and Lindor up the middle that now having a new guy at second, it's it's different and it's something that everybody's had to get used to on the ball club. So I'd like to explore that angle a little bit and potentially do a, a story on that, that people can be looking forward to. Um, but, you know, we'll continue to have different uh, news notes, clips from media availabilities. We've been keeping a lot of uh, video going on, on Twitter, which if you haven't seen that yet, check it out. We've got something almost daily right now from Tito, if not a couple of players. And in terms of opening week coverage, we're going to be all systems go. I mean, uh, we'll be doing stuff around the clock around opening week with video recaps and stories as well on the web as baseball gets 
amp back up and we're ready to, to cover it from all bases. So it, it should be pretty fun, but definitely um, would like to get some deeper dive stories uh, around this team once we get in the swing of things, you know, with this season and, and start to explore some different angles with this ball club. Yeah, the video content for sure has been really awesome in my opinion. Obviously, I'm a little biased because you know <laughs> you do do a good job and, and it is our site. But I think the videos have been, have been a great addition to the coverage, and I'm looking forward to more of that. And uh, if anybody who's listening has not you know followed you or hasn't followed the videos, I highly recommend it because um, with all the weird things going on with you know coverage for baseball and not having traditional games or traditional media um, there. I think the video videos have been really good because, you know, we, we aren't the ballpark, but we, you know, have access to just about everything else. And, you know, you're on the calls every pretty much every day with those guys. And I think fans can get a good look at everything that's been going on so far and media availability, whether it's players or, or Tito or whoever, um, you're not missing much. You're not missing anything. I think, I think you covered everything you know, uh, very well on those videos and getting out the important news of the day, what's going on in camp. And for as weird as things are, are and having a summer camp in Cleveland, uh, middle of the season and not a regular season. Um, I would say it's been extremely valuable information. I know putting together our, our outline today for the podcast, I went through the tweets and your videos to, to see what we needed to include on today and um, got a lot of good notes from that. So Definitely stay tuned to that and uh, stay tuned next week as we roll out our 30 man roster and, and maybe even some predictions. Didn't think we'd get a chance to do that this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing some predictions. So um, you got homework, John, be ready. I know it's summer. I know you're out of school, but you have homework. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on it, Justin. And uh, you know, it's, it's any homework relating to baseball right now is uh, is a resort and it's good to be, Good to be back here in the swing of things. A lot to, a lot ahead here in the next nine days. Can't wait. All right. Well, everybody stay tuned, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in.